Welcome back to another episode of Between the Lines. I figured you'd be back. If I do recall, I did remind you to make sure you had everything with you last time. <laughs> it's alright, you don't need to be embarrassed. We've all done things like this before. I'll grab your coat. Nice coat, that is. I bet you're glad I managed to pick it up. You get all sorts of characters coming into this shop. Not everyone you meet is nice. Someone could have easily walked out of the store with a brand new coat. Uh, you would have got it back, though. I have CCTV situated outside the shop door. Would have caught them red-handed. Well, don't mean to be rude, but may I suggest you stay? You can read one of the books I have. You don't have anywhere to be, do you? I mean, by the looks of things, you haven't been out much today. I have an eye for that. I can tell things about people without them telling me. Comes from years of reading and listening to stories, getting to know their characters and their inner thoughts. It taught me to read people like books. <sighs> people seem somewhat predictable now, however. Like knowing the end of a story before you've even finished the first chapter. I guess that explains why I desire to meet new people so often. New people, new stories. One day, I'll meet someone who I won't get bored of. Uh, bored is a harsh word to use though, rather become adjusted to them. People rarely change from the first time you meet them, but that doesn't mean in some individuals it can't happen. Sometimes people change for the better, and sometimes people change for the worst. Hmm. I think I know which book to suggest to you today. This one is interesting. Uh, not quite your typical story format, yes, but still enticing. Uh, here you go. Enjoy it. Let me know what you think of this guy in the story. In my opinion, he's quite relatable. You remember where the red couch is? Great. Twelfth of April, nineteen seventy one. Dara, don't forget to send me letters or I'll shoot you when you come back. Those were the last words I heard from me ma before leaving. Me da couldn't even look at me. Oh, wait till he sees me come back with a few bob in my pocket and new clothes in me back. He'd never let me leave after that. A few days ago I was hanging with the fellas over a few jars and I told them how long it'd be gone. The reactions were mixed, but they all said we'll be here for you when you come back, whenever that is. Yesterday I went to Father Vern to tell him I'm headed off for a while. 
He told me I should stay, since there won't be many Catholic churches around and I'll be surrounded by fake Christians. I said, says I, I'll pray as normal, and I'll go to Mass whenever I can, and reminded him the Lord is everywhere as he preaches every Sunday. He shrugged at me and walked back into the church. This morning is when I left town in the bush. It's cold and the road is muddy, but then again, nothing's new there weather was. I might miss the landscape and the people here, but she'll be back in a year or two anyway. Cousin Mick will sort me out no bother. The ship leaves at five, so I have a bit of time to soak in the rest of this country before I make a name for myself in this bleeding town. Sixteenth of April, nineteen seventy-one. This morning, I got onto the top deck to look at the incoming horizon of the city that's supposed to be my new home. Buildings bigger than anything I'd seen in Dublin, and all I could see is grey from the sea. When I walked down the gangway onto the boardwalk, I got a vicious feeling in my stomach. That this didn't feel like a regular too many pints feeling. This felt like my heart imploded on top of itself. I had a sudden feeling that what I had done was a terrible mistake and that I needed to get home as soon as possible. I walked in one direction for an hour trying to find Mick's place before stopping. Whenever I shot to ask someone, they gave me a stare and walked on. It seems like everybody does it when I look around. I walked into an alley, sat down in my suitcase and cried like I'd never cried before. My desire to get back to my family, my pals and my country... Anything away from this place was so strong I half considered getting back to the harbour and sneaking onto a boat that might be heading home. Come nine o'clock I was freezing in my boots, wondering if this is how I die, cold and alone on a street of this grey jungle. I walked into an establishment and spent the next hour asking the patrons if they knew Mick. The barman of all people notified me where he lived, so I walked another hour before meeting him at twelve outside his apartment, skin full of pints on him. I couldn't understand what he said, but he gave me a key and showed me to an empty room with a single mattress in the corner. I lay down, fully clothed, and now I'm wondering, what am I actually going to do come morning? Twenty fourth December nineteen seventy three. I'm gonna go back to Ireland this morning. After two years of working here, I'll be going to back to see my family on Christmas. I intentionally chose this time to make it special for them. I cannot wait to tell them what it's like here. While I sent and received a letter every two months since March two years ago, I have not received any letters since July this year. The people of this city can just do what they like, when they like it, and dress any way they like. There are opportunities here that they would not dream of back in Ireland. Mick wasn't useful job-wise, so I got a job as a waiter in a restaurant near Central District, which pays the bills nicely. I also got a night job as a bouncer, when I wanted a little more. There are so many different types of people here. 
different clothes, different hair, different skin, different interests and different lifestyles. I never imagined a pod of this world exists. There are cars everywhere. I can go to concerts, even buy my own stuff brand new for my flat. I even met a gorgeous girl named Danielle while working here at one of the clubs last year. We travelled the nation together, where she showed me that there's a lot more to this country than the city. She wants to come with me, but she has a big project coming up when I told her that I might bring her back with me next time, if all goes well between the two of us for the time being. So, as I sit here in the lounge with my flight departing in an hour, Dara is coming back home. Second of January, nineteen seventy-four. Week and a half ago, I stepped foot back into my hometown, breathed in the fresh, sweat air of an Irish morning, and walked to my original home. I knocked on the door, and my mother answered. She looked at me in confusion for around five seconds, before embracing me in her arms with tears in her eyes. I stepped inside and noticed the house was suspiciously quiet. I asked where Dan and Mary were, so they could see what a man I am now. She brought me into the kitchen, put the kettle on and sat me down. The tears began again when she explained that Dad died in August from tuberculosis. And Mary got pregnant and is now in a mother and child home in a place in Meath. I broke down when she told me Dad died and shouted at her why she didn't tell me when it had happened and she told me she didn't want to upset me. I didn't ask why she didn't tell me Mary was gone to her home and she said that the town had already shunned her, the family enough, so why would they want me to shun her? I got up, left my suitcase in the porch and ran out the door into the woods crying. I must have been there for hours I got a grip on myself and walked around the town to see what else had changed, which was practically nothing, surprisingly enough. I walked into McCleary's and who do I see but my old mates? I shouted the names and they looked up, were surprised, and then their faces dropped. As I walked up to them, I noticed they looked different. Even though only two years had passed, they looked like they'd aged at least five. I asked them how they were and How's the family and if they missed me? And Donal, who was arguably my best friend, asked, So you're back now with your new clothes, new voice and a load of money? You're some fella? I was taken aback and said, I'm here now, so let us have fun. Donal then said something I'll never forget for as long as I live. Nah, Dara, you're here in the flesh, but the Dara we know is long gone. I looked at him, then looked at them who did not say a word, and I walked out of McCleary's with a hole in my chest knowing that my friends are now a memory rather than a people. I stayed in the house for a few days after that, and on St. Stephen's day I walked into the church and asked for Father Vern to ask a few questions. He looked the exact same as I left him. 
I asked him why the church is a part of everyone's life here while it is a choice over there. Why you can have a girlfriend which you don't need to marry in the next week. He did not give a good response for either. He just recited the same things I'd already heard from him years ago. Then I asked him what the name of my sister and nephew's home in Mead was. He refused to answer, but said she needs to be there, and I felt myself shaken. My vision go blurry, and before I knew it, I knocked him out square on the jaw, his body flying onto the tires of the church. I ran home in a panic. That night, I let Hor know how I felt and what had happened and what had happened over the last few days, then kissed and hugged her for the last time as I told her I'm leaving for Dublin tonight. She whispered in my ear, For me, never come back here. We spent the last week here in Dublin, and today I'm sitting in the lounge of Dublin Airport writing here again. Tonight, is the last time I ever breed my native Irish air. I will never come back here. Other than my mother, there is nothing that I have here to keep me here. August 18th, 1994. I had just picked up Jenny, Andy and Rosie from downtown yesterday when I walked in the door and picked up the facts. Town council telling me my mother just died. I stood there for ten seconds with everything going mute. Started bawling. A combination of sadness, anger, frustration and disappointment washing over me. Danny ran in, then ordered the kids into the rooms and catered to me. She knew what it was. A few hours later, she's asking me if I wanted to do anything. I thought about it for a few seconds, then I realized I had to go back for the funeral. Just to see her. One last time. Whether the town knows me or does not recognize me, I don't care. When I told her, she was shocked as she would be after I told her what had happened last time and what was going on in Ireland right now, on the news with the North and the Catholic Church. And that night, through tears, I was just about to order the tickets on the telephone before Danny stopped me and asked me if I wanted to bring her and the kids with me. That was the second biggest hit I took that day. To bring my kids to where Dad came from, this alien land, alien people, alien voices... With the only thing they would have had in common is Rosie's red hair. And then to see the grandmother they never met. Now I'm on my way to the airport in the subway. Writing in my journal. My wife next to me and my kids running around me. About to depart home. To go back to a place I promised to never go back to.
You're finished. I was looking at you from across the shop. Looked like that book had you hypnotized. You must have been engrossed by the story. So, what did you think of that man, Dar? Traveling to a place he's never been, barely knows anyone, started out with nothing. Yet, despite that, he overcame those obstacles. You would think the people close to him would be happy when he came back home. You would be certain that they would sit him down and listen to his tales of this new world. But, like I said, some people change and it's good. In the eyes of Dara's town and his old friends, however, they saw it as a bad thing. But they are the type of people that are predictable. They don't change. They're like immovable rocks cemented to the ground by their beliefs. And that's where they stay. <laughs> I would be of the impression that they are stubborn. What do you think? Do you think the town had a point? To cast out their friend and shun his family because he had drastically changed from their own ways? <laughs> you have a point. It was a different time back then. Funny though, how you still see people like that today. Some people just don't like change. Ah, I think that's enough discussing today. I have taken up enough of your time. Remember your coat this time as well. Good, good. Before you go, let me impart some wisdom on you. It's something I uh, tell myself. Whether it be in life or in a book, remember, always read between the lines. Thank you for listening to another episode of Between the Lines. This week's short story was written by Kevin Munley. Tune in next week for another episode of Between the Lines. <laughs>